This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and joining me today is a first-timer here on the podcast. It's Sean Flynn. Sean, welcome. Howdy. How's everyone doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to have you on here. Um, Of course, for those of you out there who don't know who Sean is or maybe don't remember what he's done for Voices of Wrestling over the years, uh, Sean, you're perhaps best known uh, for being the man who reviewed Monday Night Raw week in, week out for Voices of Wrestling for quite some time. And quite frankly, I'm a little shocked that you still have all your marbles. There, there are a lot of people who would say that there's no proof that I have even a significant portion of my marbles remaining <laughs> after that. <laughs> one of the one of the scariest things about this was going back and looking at some of those old reviews to just reacquaint myself with our subject's history and mm. having some bad uh, flashbacks. Yeah, it's uh, it, it haunts you. I think that's a good that's a good word. It haunts us. I think it haunts I have us all. Terrors. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I think you made this joke once as well. Uh, the people who review Raw for VOW have the same lifespan as Spinal Tap drummers and uh, Murphy Brown secretaries. It's a quick, it's a quick turnover, I think. <laughs> I, I, I noticed that pretty much after I left, they really didn't get anyone who wanted to do it. Now, I think, I think, uh, you know, twenty-eight victims was enough. I think. <laughs> like Brick Tamlin's uh, celebrity golf outing. Too many people yeah. died. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, I'm glad you made it out alive and you're on the show here and now. Uh, now, since you're a first-time guest on the show, I figured I would uh, start here by asking you a pretty simple question. How did you get started with watching wrestling? Man, I, I've i been watching it since I was like five, six years old. And for those who don't know, I'm ancient. I'm 41. So for me, my first exposure to wrestling was actually the Von Erichs and World Class because it was syndicated all around the country. I grew up and live in Chicago. And the first things I remember of wrestling are the clips from the Star Wars show where uh, Michael Hayes turned on Carrie Von Erich when Carrie was going against Ric Flair in the cage and just the, seeing the crowds going crazy and everyone going just losing their minds and blood and craziness i i was hooked i had to i had to know what this was and then i found out that my family had been watching back in the old old days so they all they all remembered the crusher and dick the bruiser and all the all the old awa wwa stalwarts from this area so it's funny because I never really was a big WWF fan growing up, so I I tended more towards world class and the old NWA territory. So the, I don't have the same sort of fuzzy nostalgia for Hulk Hogan, Rock and Wrestling, or the any of the late eight, mid late eighties WWF 
Tuesday Night Titans sort of weirdness. <laughs> you're uh, you're like Jeff Hawkins in that sense. He uh, <laughs> he's a, a territory guy, as as we all know. Um, what about music? Uh, has that played a big part of your wrestling fandom at all? Um, it really. It has in a way because one of the things that always fascinates me is sort of and things that I think WWF, WWE has done so well over the years is when they do decide to take popular music and use it for montage purposes or use it to create that combination of images and music to sell a storyline. They do it better than almost anyone in any industry, not just wrestling, but all of entertainment. So some of the things that I'll go back and watch on YouTube or go back and look at over the years aren't always even so much matches, but the the montage histories, things, the they, they've made freaking Creed seem like an awesome song with the whole <laughs> Desire My yeah. Sacrifice videos, yeah. the, the video they did man, they have a lot of awful artists who they've made sound good. Kid Rock with the Lonely Road of Faith video. Those, to me, are just as much of the things I look back on fondly as I do specific matches or specific promos. Mm. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about the WWE or F at the time, but they made Limp Biscuit like, <laughs> super cool, and they made they made him awesome with that the Rock Austin My Way promo. Oh, goodness, I mean, yes. <laughs> it, it's incredible, yeah, yeah. But uh, in any event, uh, today, Sean, we are here on episode 48, and we are going to be looking at the theme history of the one and only American nightmare, Cody Rhodes. And I figure, you know, now is a good time to chat about Cody and his themes and his career at large, I suppose, because we are close to the end of 2018. And looking back on the year that was in wrestling, Cody, he really was one of the MVPs of the year. Maybe not in terms of consistent high-end in-ring work, but as far as making an impact business-wise and career-wise, I mean, Cody just... He killed it this year. You know, you go down the list with All In, with the Young Bucks selling out 10,000 seats on their own. Uh, he helped Ring of Honor draw its biggest crowd ever at Mania Weekend against Kenny Omega. He brought recognition and buzz to the NWA, the likes of which had not been seen in years. Uh, he, he made evented two, two New Japan shows for the IWGP heavyweight title. He also won the IWGP US title and also a little belt called the NWA world title. And, uh, oh yeah, he's also probably starting his own wrestling company soon with major funding. So does Cody have a match of the year contender in 2018? It's a hard maybe. Mm -hmm. But has Cody's 2018 been an undeniable success for him? Absolutely. And Sean, I think you would agree with that wholeheartedly. Cody Rhodes is, in my opinion, the most important person this year in wrestling not named McMahon. What he's been doing, what he's done since he's left WWE has been, I don't think anyone could have predicted the amount of influence that he would have, the amount of hustle that he would have, and the sheer audacity to just say, screw it. 
let's see what we can do. I was I was lucky enough to be at All In, and it felt no different to me than any of the other major WWE events or back in the day WCW events that I'd been to. That was a major league event put on in a major league way with a whole lot of major league penises. <laughs> oh, Joey <But> Seriously, <laughs> he has done such an amazing job of taking things that 18, 24 months ago would have seemed utterly fantastical, and now they just seem difficult, which, given the size of the WWE machine, I think is it, it it's an accomplishment that's probably the biggest thing in the industry since WCW folded. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. He's been on such a roll since he left WWE back in 2016. Not just this year, the success, but he's had it for a few years now. Ever since uh, that famous photo he tweeted of the list he made, yep. Cody has been hitting all the right moves in all the right places, uh, traveling and wrestling in promotions that will build him a sizable fan base and a sizable rabid following outside of WWE. I mean, Evolve, PWG, Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, aligning himself with the Bullet Club and the Elite guys and latching on to that fan base. And like you said, Sean, no one could really, I don't think, predict just how meteoric this ascension was for Cody because you look at the other homegrown WWE guys who have been released in recent years and seeing how their careers ended up, it makes Cody look like an outlier. Uh, you, know, you know, Ryback, Jack Swagger, Darren Young, Damian Sandow, Alex Riley, Big Cass, go down the list. And, and, you know, granted, some of them have gone away from wrestling or not wrestled as much. But regardless, it seems like Cody is one of the select few WWE homegrown guys, and I'd put Juice Robinson in that group as well, who were released by WWE sometime in the past two or three years or so, and became a bigger star than they ever were in WWE. And Cody's case, a more important wrestler than he ever was in WWE. And that, I think, is a testament to Cody's hustle and his work ethic and his business smarts and the fact that he just he loves wrestling and he still wants to be in wrestling. First off, I think that your uh, your brochure for the WWE Performance Center there is probably not going to get approved by their <laughs> marketing department. <laughs> and I think with Cody, you also have the fact that unlike a lot of these other guys, he has lived and breathed wrestling his whole life. He may be homegrown in the WWE system in the same way that some other talents who've never who didn't do the whole independent to WWE path took, but his life experience is so different and gives him such a different perspective. But yeah, I think like you, you mentioned it whenever people would talk over the last 10, 15 years, anytime somebody big would stop wrestling all the way back to when Steve Austin and The Rock started to step away from WWE, there was always the, well, what if Steve Austin and The Rock got together with somebody and formed their own promotion? And every time that a major name has moved on, what if Hulk Hogan did it? What if, what if CM Punk did it? 
And it's always the superstars that people think of. It's always the who's that game-changing name that could single-handedly break through. And I've always been a fan of Cody Rhodes. Sometimes I've been on a kind of lonely island out there as a fan of Cody Rhodes. But in my most pro-Cody moments, I never would have said, oh yeah, Cody Rhodes is the guy who has the potential to help change the the industry dynamics. I always thought he's good. He can inhabit his characters well. He can wrestle, he can wrestle in the ring well. He devotes himself to his roles. But you never looked at Cody Rhodes and said, this is someone who is going to be an industry leader and is someone who's going to be influential. And that is, I think that's the best testament of all to him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think truthfully... A lot of what Cody has built has been based on hunger and, and drive, but also anger and resentment, you know, because Cody spent practically a whole decade in WWE trying to prove that he was the man. He could be the guy. And he started at the bottom in OVW and he worked his way up and became a multiple time tag champion and two time IC champion. But eventually he just plateaued. And he never rose above that mid to upper mid card sludge that so many guys in WWE are put in. I think there was a moment where Cody got super hot and WWE could have capitalized on it and really elevated him. It was back in 2013 after he turned face and started teaming with Goldust against the Shield and the Authority. I, I think that was Cody's chance to break out as the next big star. But WWE decided, eh, not so fast. We have this little stardust thing we want to talk to you about. And Cody never recovered from it. And I eventually just quit. Because like the Young Bucks, after leaving Impact, he believed that he was better than all that. He believed in himself and he was determined to prove that he could be bigger than WWE ever imagined that he could be. And looking at where Cody is today... Sean, he, he definitely succeeded in that uh, attempt. Definitely. And I think last sort of thought for me on that is I was reading as I was prepping for this and talking, it was, he was, he really did not care for the Stardust character. At least at the end, he certainly didn't. But to watch him play that role, you would never know that. There's a lot of guys who, we've all seen they go through the motions, especially when you can tell that they've hit that wall in WWE where they're just not going to get that push. They're not going to get that, that they're not going to get to claim that brass ring. <laughs> and he kept on, he, he just let himself get weirder and weirder and more into the role and more into the character as his frustration mounted. And I think it's that level of dedication to the craft and that love of pro wrestling as an art form that we're seeing now. And at the same time, the fact that he was mired in that mid card spot and that even Cody Rhodes, I'm sure if you truly asked him would admit he's not the greatest wrestler in the world. He's not the greatest interview in the world. He's very good at the things he does and he does a lot of things very well, but I think that allows him to have an unselfishness about his D 
dealings and about the way he views the wrestling industry that you don't get from a lot of a lot of other influential players because they're so used to being the big dog running things. Whereas Cody Rhodes knows that he's not able to single-handedly draw 10,000 people. He can be part of a machine that draws it. He can be the brains even behind a machine that draws it. But that willingness to share the spotlight, I think, bodes well and gives him and those working with him a better chance than anyone we've seen come up in a long time to really build something lasting if they truly, truly put themselves to it. Mm, Definitely, definitely. All right, so let's dive into these Cody Rhodes themes. Uh, There are 11 songs on the docket here, and uh, 10 of them are from his time in the WWE system. We'll start here in the good old days of 2006. Uh, That's when a young Cody Runnels debuted in OVW, teaming up with Sean Spears, the future Ty Dillinger. And they came out to a song by The Darkness off the album Permission to Land. This is, I believe, in a thing called Love. dissect here with this first one you know chances are you've heard this song a bunch of times over the years since it came out it's a pretty straightforward love song in the the glam rock style that the darkness is known for upbeat energetic spunky rock and roll with the crazy high falsetto vocals of justin hawkins uh, most people probably associate this song with candace LeRae because that was her theme on the indie scene and it works for Candace because she's like the adorable girl next door who makes your heart go a flutter. Uh, but for Cody and for Sean Spears, it also works because they're two handsome guys. They're, they're heartthrobs, if you will. And having this really infectious, catchy rock song about love and, and, and all that kind of stuff will make them a lot more endearing to the fans, whether male or female. It, it's a tried and true method there, uh, Sean. Agreed. I I went back and watched some of the video of Cody and Sean Spears when they were feuding with Deuce and Domino over Cherry. <laughs> and first off, even though the idea that it, it is great, you want your faces to have that bouncy, poppy, peppy sort of music, you just, it's amazing to look back and see how young Cody Rhodes was whatever you have when vanilla is too spicy for you (laughs) but it was it was and it's also kind of scary because 
since the whole thing was about Sean Spears having a crush on Cherry, you could read the song as being indicative of his struggle rather than of the team's struggle. But there were a couple of things that I liked in there. One of them was if you're going to try and do a contrast between the 50s greasy, greaser, deuce and domino sort of down at the sock hop persona. <laughs> the soda shop, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hanging out with the soda jerks and uh, <laughs> listening to uh, listening to Buddy Holly or whatever. You can't really go any farther afield than the darkness and glam rocket and Justin no. Hawkins <laughs> singing like he's being grabbed in a very uncomfortable place. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it, it's a fun little dichotomy to have this these guys who are still doing the doo-wop sort of look, and then all of a sudden, here comes the early 2000s by way of the late 70s just crashing right on into them with this loud, obnoxious sort of, you're going to hear this song, you're going to hear that voice in your sleep sort of music. Yes, it's it's the difference between cool 50s greasers and what? <laughs> it's just a bit of a clash there, yeah. <laughs> and and what's cool here, too, is that uh, Cody's first theme being by the darkness, being this, you know, uh, super glam metal, high falsetto, crazy guitar kind of song, kind of band, it does set a trend for pretty much the rest of Cody's career, which is the fact that Cody's music... It, it, it tends to be painfully white. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to throw shade at the darkness here. I, I like the darkness a lot. But much like the Young Bucks coming out to Twisted Sister, their first go-around, this is just obscenely white people music. And so many themes on today's episode that we'll get to here, uh, Sean, they also fall under the category of white people music. And it's a little it's a little ironic, too, I think, that Cody's dad, Dusty, uh, his, I think, arguably most famous entrance theme was the Common Man Boogie, which is full of soul and funk, and you can dance your ass off to it. And none of those traits really apply to pretty much almost all of Cody's themes. So they, they tend to be white boy rock and roll for the most part, uh, Sean. Yeah, you've you've got the ghosts of new metal just keep on keeping on throughout <laughs> most of Cody's themes. But one other thing that, and I, I, I mentioned this to you before the show, but listening to the entire arc of Cody's Cody's theme music, I think I think there's a man crying out for help, and he was subconsciously doing it all the way back in OVW. Here he's longing for something. He believes in a thing called love, but he can't quite get to it yet. There's something he's not able to reach. There's a piece of him that's not getting that satisfaction, that that basic need for for affection, for love, for acceptance of who you truly are. And we'll we'll, we'll get to that in some of his later I th- I think so. pieces. Yeah, I think so, yes. <laughs> Um, lastly, for me, I, I think going back to what I said about Dusty, I think you know, if you're trying to separate yourself from the legacy of your father, and, and granted, in Cody's case, the legacy of his dad was as large as Dusty's belly, 
I mean, it was it was gargantuan. But <laughs> if you're going to try to do that, then going for a different sound for your entrance themes is, I think, a good way to do it. I mean, Dusty, he did have some rockin' tunes uh, for his entrances like Bob Seger or Bonnie Tyler, but... As- <laughs> Hey man, don't don't laugh. There's just there's some rockin' Tyler tunes. All right, I, come on now. I will I will vouch for uh, faster than the speed of night as much as anybody, <laughs> but just hadn't, hadn't expected. Um, all that. right, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, as far as the WWE run is concerned with Dusty, I, I think yeah. Common Man Boogie is on a different musical plane than uh, the majority of Cody's themes that we've uh, we'll, that we'll get to later on. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, and it's a, it's against the entire Rhodes family of the 80s and 90s before Dustin became Gold Dust when he right. was still the natural Dustin Rhodes. Right. He's, he's not going the people you mentioned like Bob Seger and David Allen Coe and Willie Nelson people right, who yeah. his theme songs. Dusty when he wasn't trying to do the pretty fly for a white guy thing, he was embracing the i'm just a common man from the south i'm i'm a country boy i understand hard times and country music where someone would have the pickup truck and they would run over their dog and their and their mama at the same time that was that was dusty's life he was fighting for those of us who had to deal with that so yeah getting away from the whole the fact that cody rhodes is a southerner the fact that he's from a lineage that's very proudly Southern, that his father made his name wrestling in the South. Dusty and Flair all up and down the Carolinas. Dusty was the king of Florida for my my room. My first roommate in college and I bonded together over mid '80s Dusty Rhodes angles with Kevin Sullivan. So so yeah, being going to something that not just white, but so hipster and so skinny jeans listening wearing sort of people yet at the same time the send up of the darkness doing the 70s glam rock it's as far from dusty as you can get and as far from the Rhodes family exactly exactly so cody would eventually debut on the main roster in 2007 uh using the Rhodes family name and he would actually find some early success in this run here uh, because he would join forces with uh one hardcore holly after uh, Holly beat the shit out of him on multiple occasions, uh, Holly said, Damn kid, uh, I respect you now. And they soon became tag partners and eventually tag team champions together. And Cody's first theme on the main roster is by a fellow named Billy Lincoln. And it's part of the One Music Production Library. This is called Out to Kill. <laughs> So this is, you know, this one is your standard generic hard rock instrumental from a production library. You know, it's the kind that I'm sure that so many 
guys in Cody's position over the years have had, where they're young, they're first getting on TV, they don't have a real any real semblance of a defining character. Yes, he's Cody Rhodes, he's he's you know the son of Dusty, but that's that doesn't really define him yet. That's not really his overarching theme. He doesn't even have an overarching theme, you know. And this is also, of course, way before Stardust or Dashing Cody Rhodes or any of that stuff that would come later on. Cody at this point is just a young kid who is wrestling on the lower mid-card tier on Raw against Davari and Trevor Murdoch and guys like that. So Out to Kill, uh, it doesn't necessarily stand out in any way or jump off the page. It's it's your you know standard kind of southern tinge guitar song, but at this point neither does Cody Rhodes. It's the kind of music that if someone in the production truck had hit the wrong button and they'd played it for any of about eight other people on the roster, nobody would have blinked an eye. <laughs> they could anyone could have walked out to that music and it would have just been, okay, this is a guitar song. He's going to come out and fight somebody. Which, I mean, you could say that that's a problem with a lot of WWF, WWE music over the years. But it really was, Cody was, if he was Cody Jones at that point, how much attention would he have been paid by anybody? Mm. He, he was still getting the hang of things. He was not, I mean, I listened to this song about an hour before this podcast and I can't even remember it. <laughs> I remember it had a guitar. But it it was the kind of nondescript thing that you get when the company's saying, you're really not all that important to us yet. And that the only thing that you really have a value right now is the fact that your last name is Rhodes. So, and I think that will be important for him later on. Yeah. Um, Shadowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I was listening to it and... To me, it sounds kind of like a faster version of Dan Severn's theme. I don't know if anyone else heard that, but uh, it caught my ear. Um, except it, it does have a little touch of Southern rock thrown into the mix there and kind of a, a whaley guitar tone as well. Um, I mean, as far as a theme goes, it's not bad considering the circumstances you know, it, it, it being his first one that he, he had before he grew into the character. Um, I think if Cody kept this theme for a few more years, I think it would be a different story and obviously be out of place during the legacy run and during the dashy gimmick and so forth. But here it's fine for what it is and for where Cody is at this point. It's interesting that you mentioned the uh, Southern rock aspect of it since like we were just talking about trying to get away in OVW trying to not have that Rhodes legacy be what defines him. And yet when he comes up into, into there, it's immediately let's put something vaguely Southern sounding onto his music. And that could remind people of the Rhodes family lineage. So if you're trying to get away from that part of yourself and that and that's what they're going to give you to walk out with. It's just one more way of saying that character at that time is just, he's just a Rhodes. He could be any Rhodes. And I think that that's so much of what's up going to come in Cody's career is 
dealing with that aspect of himself, both positive and negative. So uh, in 2008, uh, Cody turned heel by betraying Hardcore Holly and aligning himself with Ted DiBiase. That's I right. I have issues with this. No one should ever be a heel for turning on Hardcore Holly. (laughs) That's the kind of thing that should win you Nobel Prizes and uh, giant novelty checks. Well, I think the bigger story was that the Million Dollar Man was back in the ring with Virgil by... Oh, wait, that's that's the wrong Ted DiBiase. (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, I'm referring, of course, to Ted Jr., who went by the name Ted DiBiase which I think could be a little confusing to older fans, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, Cody and Ted began teaming up as Priceless, two multi-generational wrestlers, and their entrance music, their first one, was only used uh, for a brief period of time in 2008. This is Jim Johnston with the original version of Priceless. Let me tell you something about this uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. here, Sean. (laughs) Maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but he's priceless. Oh, baby, he's priceless. And he'll tell you that he's priceless over and over again. I'm worth more than you could know, because all you know is what you see, because you're all blind to who I am, so all you see is a mystery, because I'm priceless. Yeah, I'm priceless. Now, I I don't want to cast aspersions on Jim Johnston because I love the guy. He, he's a legend, but he wasn't really putting his whole weight behind this one, I don't think. This is about as cookie-cutter a song that you can get out of Jim Johnston. Boring, generic, braggadocio lyrics, a completely forgettable melody. And it's like, what am I supposed to say about this song? It's not good enough or interesting enough to really talk about it in detail, but it's also not bad enough to make really fun of for long periods of time. It, it's just, it's just there, Sean. Kinda like Ted DiBiase Jr. He's just there. One thing I've always wondered about with the WWE production process for creating theme songs. We all know Jim Johnson is the guy who made all of those 90s, early 2000s, mid-2000s songs. And now I suppose the mantle's been passed on to a CFO. But for something like that, I've seen Jim Johnson in interviews. You see him talking about, so with Steve Austin, I decided to go chunk, 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 chunk. And most of the songs you think of, they don't really have any lyrics. Austin's theme, just that driving beat. The Rock 
the only words in it are the rock says. The rock says. says the rock, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot of times where they're trying to really engage in the art of wordsmithery. Mm. And this is probably why. But in that sort of case, I wonder if what they do is if Jim Johnson dashes off some sort of guitar riff and then they go and they pick up a, a couple of uh, displaced writers from the Hallmark card factory and say, we need some words that rhyme together. <laughs> but, and here's where you, you asked earlier about my music background with wrestling and my creative background is actually more in words. I have a master of fine arts degree in poetry. So my focus is quite often that on, on words, communication. I, I'm always very interested in promos in wrestling almost as much as I am in the actual in-ring action that, that occurs actually actuals. And this song, and this occurs in a lot of these themes that are going to be discussed, is whomever's writing this, their perspective seems to shift halfway through the songs and it's almost as if the verses aren't really being written by the same people throughout. It's, it's, it's kind of a bit of an exquisite corpse of a song where someone wrote one verse and then another dude got handed the folder and said, we need second verse for this song right away. Because we know Ted DiBiase's priceless. Ted DiBiase Jr. is absolutely priceless. There's oh, no way. Maybe he's priceless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried once I got within 50 feet of him with one of those guns you use at the store to slap on price tags and it just exploded in my hand. (laughs) My hand looked like a Jean-Pierre Paul's hand after the fireworks. But in this song, he's priceless. Look at this. And then he says, your cash is lifeless. You keep buying more and more just to impress You're blind to who I am. All you see is a mystery. There's no number that could buy the power I possess. He's flaunting something here. It's very important that he's priceless. But to be priceless, you have to be thinking about value. There has to be some way of establishing it. And the money aspect of it is important because they're legacies. Ted DiBiase Jr.'s legacy is coming from the million-dollar man, the most money-obsessed wrestler except maybe for IRS. And Cody Rhodes is right along with him. But Cody Rhodes' legacy is is from a man who's always been against money. He's always been fighting against that. The blue-collar guy, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. His dad was never a one-percenter, even though dad would go around wearing fur coats and have on a Rolex as big as Ric Flair's. (laughs) but what you see here with Cody is also think about when a kid does their first real rebellion. They always go way too far to the other side. They decide that if mom and dad were straight laced, they're going to be the biggest troublemakers on the block. Cody, like we said, common man lineage. Who's he associated himself with? The son of the million dollar man, the most money-hungry, greedy, one-percenter possible. What better way to say, screw you, Dad. Screw you, everybody. I'm a Rhodes, and I'm just going to think about, I'm even beyond money. I'm past money. I'm so important. You can have money and still not compare with me. 
And the only people who think that are people who already have money. Or crazy poor people, of which I'm usually one. <laughs> yeah, it it is a bit awkward having Cody come out to a theme like this for the reasons that you mentioned, but also because it, it wasn't made for the tag team Priceless. It was made specifically for Ted Jr. Um, the song isn't We Are Priceless, it's I Am Priceless. And I think in that sense... This song and the remix that we'll get to next, they just don't work for Cody as a Cody Rhodes theme. Uh, even if Cody is at this point now a heel and he's being all cocky and arrogant like Ted Jr., Cody and the song just don't match. Well, that's three in a row really for him where the song almost has nothing to do with him. I mean, you can you can make the connections as we have, but in the end, the first piece was probably chosen more for the Sean Spears character. His first piece of WWE music for Cody was pretty generic. And now he's latching on as sort of the, the toady, the lackey to Ted DiBiase Jr., who is priceless. And using his theme music and his persona and his arrogance, it's all part of someone who's still not able to speak for themselves yet. Mm, definitely, yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty soon, uh, Ted and Cody would get a remix of this theme song around the same time, actually, that they would be joined by a third man. I'm talking about the legend, the phenom, the icon, Manu, the son of Afa, the wild Samoan, and this trio iteration of Priceless, would use the remix of Priceless, which is off of Voices, the music of WWE Volume 9. It's again by Jim Johnston, and uh, it's featuring Sean Janess on vocals. So let's hear the Priceless remix. Yeah, Priceless! It's a remix. <laughs> oh baby, it's a remix. <laughs> it's it's the kind of the kind of artistic achievement befitting the arrival of <laughs> Yeah, clearly here Jim Johnston was not satisfied with the previous version of Priceless. That wasn't good enough for him. So he decided to uh, move some stuff around, add a few bits and bobs here and there. The lyrics are the same. Uh, it's mainly the music and the vocals that have been altered somewhat. Uh, the main melody has been rearranged a little bit. Uh, the tempo has been slowed down a peck or two. And instead of starting with the guitar riff, it starts with the Yeah, Brassless uh, from the singer, Sean Janess, who overall, I think, packs a, a little more oomph 
to the vocals uh, than the previous singer does. Uh, what do you think of the Priceless remix, uh, Sean? I like that it's attempting to be more aggressive. It's at least trying to demand of the listener from the opening that listen to us, damn it, we're important. We're not just our dads. Now, the rest of the song doesn't really do that much to help with that because I I have to disagree a little bit on Sean Janesse. I my notes on this say this sounds like horrible karaoke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it might just be an effect of having listened to it back to back, the original and the remix, and having gotten so attached to the original version that well, it's my version. It's like how it's like the song when you first fall in love. It can only be that one. For me, there's one priceless for like when I first saw Ted DiBiase Jr. <laughs> well, I didn't say I liked the song more than the original. <laughs> I, I I tolerate it more. That's a, that's Fair. a better word, I think, because it's Fair. it's still a big giant hunk of musical wonder bread. But I think the extra oomphy vocals just give it a, a, a smidge more personality than the previous vocals do. Uh, besides, besides that, though, I, I literally have nothing else to say about the song. If I, if I can quote Futurama here, I have no strong feelings one way or the other. Uh, I don't hate it. I don't like it. It just is. And I will let it pass me by unperturbed like a ghost ship in the night. Um, the one thing, though, the one thing I can say about this song is that I really appreciate the fact that it's not as bad as the other Ted DiBiase Jr. song that he had, which was I Come From Money by Supreme, because that song sucks. Oh, I hadn't thought of that until you mentioned it now, but it's it's playing in that speaker that you keep all the music you don't want to <laughs> ever hear again in the back of your head, and I'm a little sad now. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I do think that my opinion on the singer aside it actually did function well as a remix because it did change the emphasis. Right. It felt like it was more of a, instead of being these sort of bougie spoiled kids, it felt much more like rich, like they're having a tantrum, which even though it's not great, at least it's something it's active rather than passive. Mm. So yeah, I could see that. Yeah. More force behind it. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I did prefer the arrangement and the way it was set up, right. even if I wasn't as keen on the vocal stylings. Speaking of the vocals, by the way, one more thing here about the vocalist, Sean Janess. Uh He actually sings on another early 2010s WWE theme, a pretty popular one at that. Uh, do you want to guess which one it was on? Oh, man. I can't even imagine early 2010s man i drank a lot during that period (laughs) (laughs) well i'll 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 give you the answer here it's a shameful thing lobster heads a careless man who can wind up dead you wear your sin like it's some kind of pride too many limes too many limes (laughs) That's him. Well, now I feel bad because I actually like that one. I love that song. It's great. Yeah, written in my face, the old Seamus theme. That's a Sean Janess uh, composition, or not composition, but 
a, 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 the vocal stylings of Sean Jeunesse right there, which, you know what, you know, I, I, mi- some... I miss that theme a lot. That was a good one. Sometimes, sometimes you just, the singer and the song don't match up just right, but in that case, I, that is, that is one of the better ones from that early period where WWE was sort of the last bastion of new metal sounding stuff. (laughs) But that one at least had personality to it. So uh, eventually, Priceless would transform into a new stable called The Legacy with the golden trio of Cody Rhodes, Ted DiBiase, and Randy Orton. So goodbye, Manu. Hit the bricks, Sim Snooker. Like, uh, Like Priceless, the gist was that the Legacy were a stable of multi-generational wrestlers, hence the name The Legacy. Uh, Their stable theme from 2009 to 2010, when they split up, was by a band called Adelita's Way. Off the album WWE The Music, A New Day, Volume 10, this is It's a New Day. It's a new day, yes it is! Wait, oh, sorry. Wrong new day. Wrong new day there. Sorry. I'll be honest with you here, uh, Sean. I I actually kind of like this song. Uh, I I don't love it, but compared to Priceless, I'd say it's it's leagues better than that. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that it is more aggressive and heavier in sound than Priceless, and it does make the Legacy seem like a much more intense, aggressive stable than that Priceless ever was. And it's they're trying to accomplish something. Uh, every day I watch the sun rise and fall on everyone, but today I wake up and make tomorrow mine. It's a new day. It's a new generation. I will never look back. No, we're never looking back. So that that attitude to me is a lot more palatable than, oh baby, I'm priceless. And it makes a lot more sense, too, with the stable. And, and, and contemporary hard rock, new metal kind of stuff, is it's a lot more my speed as a music genre in, in general. Oh, definitely. And pancakes aside, <laughs> it's it feels like. And again, I'm sort of more. I'm I'm mo- much more drawn to the lyrics. So to me, it's the first one that actually feels like it's playing to the personalities of the people involved in a really, like it's trying to speak from their voice. But again, as seems to be the theme with all of Cody's music and his character throughout his time in WWE, there's something unsettling in there. It's a song about staying faithful to our legacy, yet at the same time, never looking back. It's that tension that 
he's not quite able to move forward as Cody Runnels, Cody Rhodes, man of himself. It's a new generation, which if you've seen any of the WWE videos mocking the old new generation from the mid nineties <laughs> makes me, makes me think that this could have been a so much more entertaining, uh, group had they had they all had 90s characters duke the dumpster orton <laughs> sparky thurman dibiase there could have been hope here yeah. but yeah Liz, reading through the lyrics every day i watch the sun rise and fall on everyone today i wake and make tomorrow mine there's such a feeling of that it's time to move forward and i mean especially with randy orton who was always been in that legend killer gimmick that iconoclast who's willing to absolutely burn the past down That's right in order to make his own name but their freaking name is the legacy you're not getting away from your own past when your stable name is a celebration of the fact that you are a generational scion of the business and the music is along with that it's got that aggression it's got pace to it it's trying almost to run away from what it is your legacy but you want to be independent of your legacy and they're not they're not quite able to get there and maybe that's why they were so angry <laughs> Yeah, it, it, there's a bit of contradictory statements there, for sure, yeah. Um, I, I will say, though, that uh, it feels a lot more like a actual stable theme than Priceless did, oh, yeah. ever did. Because Priceless is lyrically all about the singular. I am Priceless. I meaning Ted Jr. Uh, and even though, you know, Ted has stable mates like Cody and Manu or whoever, the song is still about Ted Jr., Uh it's a new day is about the legacy and regardless of whether it made sense in terms of celebrating the past or getting rid of it, it is about at the end of the day, a group of guys. Yes. The singular is used in the song, but there's also plenty of we and us in there as well. Uh, don't you ever tell us no. Don't you ever tell us where to go. Don't you ever tell us who to be. We're staying faithful it's our legacy. So yeah, it doesn't really make sense character-wise, but it does make the legacy stable seem more cohesive as a stable, more of an actual unit of guys who are sticking together as opposed to a as opposed to a guy like Ted Jr. with his buddies Cody and Manu. And it also it, it gives Cody a theme that can actually somewhat fit him. Uh, I was thinking of this earlier as well. Uh, you look at the legacy, um, having both Cody and Randy in it. You can, I think, sort of make a comparison between the two in terms of their respective theme histories because Randy did start out as a lower card singles guy with a completely forgettable first theme. And when he joined Evolution he got that stable theme as his main theme for a singles competition. Well, it's the same thing here with Cody. You know, Cody had Out to Kill, this preliminary generic solo theme early on, 
and then he joined Priceless and later The Legacy, he used those stable themes as his singles themes during that time period. And it wouldn't be until Randy left Evolution and until Cody left The Legacy, because they, they split up the, the group, uh, that both guys would get singles themes that are much more well-known by wrestling fans. Uh, in Randy's case, Burn In My Light, and in Cody's case, Smoke and Mirrors. So it's a little uh, interesting connection there, I think, uh, Sean. Agreed. And also, you mentioned Randy Orton, and Randy's been lucky enough to have really two theme songs that really clicked with the audience and became his songs. When when you hear the word voices on on anything relating to WWE, you instantly think, even if it's not actually germane to that, you think of Randy's current theme song that's pretty much evergreen at this point for him. And I, given that this show is the music of the mat, I suspect you would agree with the thesis that it can be important for a wrestler to find a theme song that connects for him and the audience and I think, really yeah, that... helps him introduce himself to the crowd. Maybe. I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> a little bit important there, yeah. And yeah. with Cody, he's got, what do we what do we count, ten, nine, ten theme songs here? Nine theme songs in WWE, one in OVW, one post-WWE. So he's had nine theme songs, and he's had about, what, had about nine years in WWE? Ten years? Essentially, his theme is changing every single year, just about on average. Boom, there's one. Boom, here's a remix of it. Boom, there's a new one. There was, he never could find a song that gave him that hook that seemed to connect. Like, you mentioned Smoke and Mirrors, and that was probably the closest for him and even that had two versions in about a year and a half span it it really illustrates how lucky you have you can get and how unlucky you can get mm. just in your enter in the entrance music lottery especially when you think about how randy orton almost gets this fire burns which of course becomes synonymous one of the two songs synonymous with cm punk what happens if Orton keeps that song and Punk gets generic Jim Johnston song 13 and the entire history of wrestling changes and Manu <laughs> and Sim Snuka headline WrestleMania 34, <laughs> as we call that the better world. Yeah. I mean, Cody, he did have a high turnover rate, much like much like the uh, Raw reviewers for VOW. <laughs> the turnover rate for Cody's themes it's you're right it's quite high uh, it reminds me as well someone in the same boat was wade barrett yeah. wade barrett every other month seemed to have a new theme song this week it's the nexus theme this week it's the core theme this week it's another version of the core theme this week it's uh a single theme a different one a different one a di he would just bounce around between themes and he never really got one that really stuck to him and clung to him and i think cody for the most part, was in the same boat. I think Smoke and Mirrors, which we'll get to next, did manage to stick for a time, but even then, it wasn't like he had this song for, you know, as long as Orton has had it, or Cena's had his song, or Punk had his themes, so. Exactly. That that ability to, when your character and your entrance music and everything is connecting, they're not going to screw with it. They might tweak it a little bit. There's been how many remixes of The Undertaker's theme. There were how many different sort of remixes and tempo shifts of Austin's theme or the rock, but they were always the same basic 
motif. You knew what it was the instant that you heard it. For most of these songs, when I was listening to them, they brought back no memory of Cody Rhodes for me in a lot of cases, except for probably Priceless, just because it's priceless and it's so <laughs> on the nose. The, the It's a New Day song, seriously, when I first saw the title, all I could think of was the current New Day stable. And even listening to it until I heard the word legacy, it didn't trigger any of the hooks for me. And that really is indicative for poor Cody. He just never could quite, every time he'd start to get headway, there'd be something that would turn him in a different direction. As we see, poor Cody still trying to find himself. He's still trying to come to grips with who he really, really is. Uh, Adelita's Way, uh, by the way, uh, they also have a song called Invincible. And a little fun fact, uh, that was their big breakout single. And it was also the theme song for the show WWE Superstars. Uh, Hmm. A little little fun fact for you there. There's a lot of bands who've made some decent coin just making music for WWE. Yeah, yeah, Limp Bizkit have their own own jet probably because of it. <laughs> Fred Durst has made more money off WWE than we're going to make combined in our lifetime. Uh, not fair, man. It's not fair. <laughs> I'm here for the happy thoughts. Yeah. So yeah, the legacy was around for a little over a year or so. Uh, so uh, this new day did not last as long as the one we have now. Uh, but uh, anyway, in 2010, Cody would venture off into a singles career with a new gimmick, Dashing Cody Rhodes, the most handsome, well-groomed man in the entire WWE. And Cody's new singles theme was done by a band called TV TV. This is Smoke and Mirrors. If you saw that video, you know what I'm talking about there. But uh, anyway, anyway, uh, TV, TV, uh, they're a like a pop punky, power poppy kind of band. Again, again, more white guy music. And <laughs> it's an interesting little left turn from the type of music that we normally get with this type of gimmick. The vain, egotistical, look how beautiful I am gimmick. Usually we get something that's like Rick Rude's theme or Rick Martell's theme, or even Mark Jindrak's theme, uh, where it's trying to convey this kind of classical, romantic beauty of these men, uh, perhaps with classical music, or with uh, sexy saxophones, and a a, a slower tempo, uh, or what have you. Basically, pop punk is not the first genre of music that comes to mind in regards to this type of gimmick. Uh, But with Cody, I, I think it's still 
still kind of works because he's still only at this point 25 years old at that point in time and pop punk uh, punk punk music is in general meant to be brash and cocky uh, the vocals especially in the chorus with the wow you're only smoking mirrors and the the bridge section with the can't take it anymore i've heard it all before that part they're very assertive and in your face and intense and cody certainly has that brashness and cockiness in space the lyrics are a different story again the, the lyrics are not quite what they should be perhaps but we'll get to that in a little bit um as far as the music is concerned uh sean what do you think here i like that they go a pop punk route and a different one because i'm thinking about the wrestlers you were talking about and lex luger as the narcissist when he came to wwe and again they for for sexy and if you could see the air quotes i'm making right now it would really drive that idea home but for sexy wrestlers or wrestlers who they're trying to position as heartthrob wrestlers particularly if they're doing it as bad guys they're usually really yoked up swole sort of dudes or at the very least they're going for that sort of platonic ideal of masculine body the the rick rude you could grate cheese on his abs look or the lex luger who looks like something out of an anatomy textbook for what you would draw the perfect specimen of 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 humanity cody wasn't going for that if anything the only really good analogs to it and even that's not a really good one is sort of rick martell as the model I mean, he was going not for a sexy yeah. image, like not a Shawn Michaels sexy boy. Sexy boy! <laughs> but, yeah, more of a, I'm, well, he's dashing, I guess, is the best word it's for It's all it. in the face, yeah. It's all exactly. in the face. He gives great face. <laughs> so, y- you really do get, you want something a little different. It's not a, it's not a come and admire this museum piece of good lookingness it's this is me presenting to the world i'm out in the world and i'm so damn good looking in the world that you just you're gonna pay attention to it it's hard not to it's it's loud and it's it's got a beat and you can dance to it sort of attractiveness rather than come and get a ticket to look at it attractiveness mm. yeah Looking at the title, Smoke and Mirrors, you would think, okay, mirrors, uh, vanity, looking at your reflection, it's an obvious connection to the dashing gimmick, and Cody would actually bring a mirror with him to the ring, and if he got hit in the face, he would check the mirror and make sure nothing was broken, (laughs) which is funny, of course, but if you look at the actual lyrics of the song, you would see that they're, uh, they're a lot more, like I guess, universal Gimmick-wise, because the, the song is not about, look how beautiful I am, look how dashing I am, and well-groomed, and how ugly you are, ugh. It's more about how uh, you, the other person, or whoever, you think you're hot shit, you think everybody likes you, and wants to see you wrestle, and you're the future. But to me, me meaning Cody, that's all bullshit. There you go, face deep in the camera, microphone in hand. What you're mad about, 
no one knows and no one cares. You think everyone's a fan, but everybody sees the futures here in me. They watch the wheels go around. They'll cheer as you go down. Why? Because you're only smoking mirrors. And that's the gist of the song. And if Cody's gimmick was that I'm the future, I'm the next guy, I'm, you think you're the next guy, you think you're hot shit, nah, you're smoking mirrors, I'm the real deal, I'm going to be the next big star. Okay, that would fit perfectly. But in this case, his gimmick is that he's beautiful and dashing and presenting his, his incredible visage to the audience. This song is not about dashing good looks or being handsome. It, it never explicitly focuses on Cody's looks. And that's, again, uh, somewhat of a left turn at Albuquerque of sorts for this kind of gimmick, uh, Sean. Well, this is where my, my theory on Cody's music finally comes to real fruition. This is where Cody's split personalities finally are manifesting themselves now in an actual conflict in his own behavior. This is one side of Cody Rhodes' personality that's written a song for the other side of Cody Rhodes' personality commenting on it. Cody Rhodes is the first wrestler whose own theme music is basically denigrating him. That's the way I'm reading this song because he's talking to himself. I promise you can't stay. I'll make you go away. That is the half of Cody Rhodes that is trying to establish itself as its own person without having to put on pretense, without constantly looking for validation from others, be it from Ted DiBiase and Priceless or from the other stable mates in Legacy or from having people tell him that he's beautiful. It's the insecure part of him is being raked over the coals here. He's only smoke and mirrors. He know it's his own insecurity saying this can't last. You're a house of cards. Your ego is going to get torn down. I'll hold my nose, but it's time for you to go. And here's where Cody Rhodes is starting to go insane. That's a great take on the song. I didn't think of that is Cody sort of being introspective and kind of beating himself up. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of that. It's, it's pretty, uh, pretty good. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to make sense of WWE storylines for years. <laughs> I can fill in blanks the size of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But so, uh, yeah. Uh, dashing Cody Rhodes uh, would just putter along with his gorgeous face for a while and and then one night in January 2011 on SmackDown, Rey Mysterio gave Cody Rhodes a 619 and accidentally broke Cody's nose with his knee brace. And Cody, when he came back after a few months, he was no longer dashing Cody Rhodes. He was now undashing Cody Rhodes. <laughs> And he wore a clear plastic face mask to show everybody just how mangled and ruined his lovely face had become. Okay, not really. His face was fine, but <laughs> internally, internally, Cody's mind had pretty much broken. Uh, Smoke and Mirrors by TVTV was thrown out the window. And in its place, Cody came out to a new theme by Jim Johnston called... Smoke and Mirrors, parentheses, ugly. Oh! 
Well, if I didn't know any better here, Sean, then I'd say that uh, Smoke and Mirrors is going through puberty. Its <laughs> its voice has deepened. Whoa! It's growing hair in places it hadn't had hair before. And truth be told, it's starting to feel certain things about some of the female entrance themes. I, I think we need to have a sit-down and give this theme the talk. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, though, but seriously, though, uh, this is, I think, a real stroke of genius on Jim Johnston's part because you're adapting to the drastic change in character with Cody. Cody used to be the basic heel, vain, egotistical character, the dashing gimmick. Now he's taken a much darker turn with this undashing storyline. So Smoke and Mirrors has itself taken a darker turn, slowing down the tempo, down-tuning the song so it sounds drearier and bleaker than the original version, eliminating the spunky, brash vocals and making it a drudgy instrumental. And of course, the beginning with the, the lower, whoa! So Jim Johnston did a great job changing the regular smoke and mirrors to uh, reflect no pun intended, uh, this new undashing Cody Rhodes who is just, he's lost it, Sean. Yeah, this is, this is bleak. <laughs> I mean, it's fitting for a national tragedy. Right. Because we all were a little, it, it took me a good two months to get over, to get over the accident. And I felt ugly because Cody felt ugly. <laughs> but it's one of the better shifts that WWE's done in terms of making the music fit somebody. And it's kind of a shame that it was such a temporary thing because as someone watching at that time, it would have been interesting to see if there were ways they could have played with that character that they didn't. And the music kind of could have gone along with that because you don't see that very often where the music does a psychological shift to go along with the character usually it's just that if it's a character going from good to bad suddenly you might things uh get things a little minor tuned and mm. a little slower Slow it down. yeah 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 tune things down a bit and if it's an up and if it's if it's someone going good, then you might get some uh, might get some poppy crowd noises in there, or something that you can sing along with a little bit. But this was this was one of their better, more subtle music shifts that they've done in the last decade or so. I would almost even describe it as if the original version of the song is itself wearing a mask. It's become yeah. obscured. The guitar tones are so down in the scale, and the drumming is is kind of tinny and metallic. It, it feels like all the energy and the fun has been sucked out of the song. Uh, you, you know, you you might call it a heel remix, except for the fact that Cody was already heel. Uh, so it doesn't really work in that sense. But I guess um, a demented remix. The, the word that comes to mind, actually, for me, is gloss. Whether you're heel or face, WWE themes 
tend to all be very glossy. They're very shiny. They're very cleanly produced. This, I actually had to check and make sure that it wasn't a bad sound file or something because it was so different than the usual production value. This was like taking something and intentionally scuffing it up. That's really rare for them. Even things that are supposed to be ugly are still that WWE ugly where they're still perfectly made ugliness. But this actually sounds legitimately, like you said, the tinniness, the it it sounds there's just like a little loss of fidelity. It's all it all seems like it's under a mask, that it's being pushed down, that it's just not quite right. Something's been broken on it. It's like listening to it through headphones that don't quite work. That's an interesting shift for somebody's character because it's not Cody's become a mean guy. Cody's become a good guy. It's Cody's become a vulnerable guy, a hurt guy, a sad guy. I think more dangerous is a good word. That too. Because dashing Cody Rhodes, he'll steal your lunch money. But undashing Cody Rhodes, he might choke you out. He doesn't look friendly at all. And this song doesn't sound friendly at all. It sounds really even like one of the old Attitude Era themes where it's just mean, nasty, like the the Big Boss Man's theme comes to mind where it's just a mean, nasty song. And this song just sounds mean and and nasty and, and dangerous and depressing and all these just negative emotions. He's starting to break physically and mentally. Yeah. So uh, by the end of 2011, uh, Cody's face, by some miracle, recovered. It, 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 oh, it, by some, yeah, <laughs> by some modern miracle, uh, the bones and muscles reconfigured and became beautiful Cody again. And he stopped wearing the mask. And that also means that he started using a proper, uh, I guess, full version of Smoke and Mirrors again. Not by TV TV though. This is actually a new version of the song. This is by Jim Johnston featuring Mark Holman on vocals. It's the Smoke and Mirrors remix. here with this third version of Smoke and Mirrors is a pretty sizable leap from the original version where it's most apparent is with the music obviously because Gone is the poppy punk sound of TV TV and it's replaced by this 
kind of post-grungy, alternative, sort of emo-ish metal with a real heavier, even more aggressive edge to it and louder, angrier-sounding vocals and those these, these kind of guitar noises. This is a brand new beast, and even the way the studio version starts off with the, the guttural riff on the guitar, like... It signifies that this is a more intense version of Smoke and Mirrors uh, than ever before. Um, the lyrics do as well, which we'll get to pretty soon. Uh, uh, but this is the music is definitely more intense here, Sean. It, and I'm I say this knowing that there's a very wide gap between the two, so please don't send anyone angry messages on Twitter. It vaguely reminded me of Nine Inch Nails sort of when Trent Reznor started to get really into sort of the more combination of, I'm going to use words that aren't right here, techno-industrial. Mm -hmm. It had that sort of Electronica? Artificial yeah. sounding. Yeah, ele yeah Electronica. Sort yeah. of it, it, it really? was so Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was constant and it was unrelenting. For a long for a long stretch in there you never get to feel like you're getting a breath out of it and that's like you said to go from the very sort of pop punk this is just cody rhodes he's he's a bit of a tool and, <laughs> but he's a good looking guy you gotta give him that to this dirty sort of especially on the heels of the ugly remix this is now something that feels like it's been irrevocably damaged it sounds like it's gone through a processor and come out of the other side vastly different than what it was yeah it's as if the original theme went through some sort of traumatic event and came out the other side deeply affected and if you look at the lyrics that's painfully evident let me go blood drips from your camera it's like a knife held in your hand. What you're mad about, I don't know, and I don't give a damn. Break the rules because I can. And I guess it's meant to suggest, anyway, that this new Cody Rhodes is supposed to be taken a lot more seriously than the old Cody Rhodes. He's not the dorky, dashing character anymore who carried the mirror around. Based on the music, he's been turned into something that's meant to be darker than ever before true and it's funny because there's so little of it that sticks from the original through the re through this version in the lyrics other than the title line whoa you're only smoking mirrors but i think that line's one of the least essential in the entire piece it's just kind of there to fill space but the future here in me keeps persisting from each version everything else is changing the lyrics have gone from being about getting attention to this lashing out at being isolated. I know less is more, but with you, the stupid never understand. Empty words. You said so much without a plan. Let everybody see the future here in me. He's still struggling no matter what he's doing and think of the think of all the different personas he's tried on at this point in wwe he's been happy-go-lucky good guy coming in to help out his brother and his dad 
He's been bougie son of privilege. He's been angry second and third generation wrestler trying to make a name for himself. He's been handsome rake. And now he's this broken. He's been scarred. He's been changed physically. He's not the man he once was, and he's at a low point. But he's still telling us the future's here in me. Keep looking. Keep looking. Even though I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. He's saying the empty words without a plan because he's still casting about. And when he's the bridge really seems to be talking to himself. I can't take it anymore. I heard it all before. I think the whole world knows it's time for you to go. That kind of specificity, there's really only one person that can be directed to, and that's himself. Having said all that, though, what played out on screen was much different, you know, because yes, Cody did drop the dashing gimmick, but even then, he was making fun of Big Show for his failed WrestleMania moments, he was getting mocked by fans for wearing the mustache, the whole Cody's mustache thing. Uh, He was teaming up with Damian Sandow in Team Rhodes Scholars as a sort of this pseudo-comedy team. It's not like Cody was suddenly this super serious, gritty character with this maniacal emo music. He was just still plain old Cody Rhodes, the same as he had been for quite a while. Exactly. He's still trying to find it. Damien Sandow, the Rhodes Scholars, he's taking on that role of being better than everybody. He's teaming with another person who's going to puff off his ego and they can convince themselves that they're a level ahead of everyone else trying to team with Sandow. He gives up the team with Sandow because that's not working. He's feuding with Sandow. He just can't find himself. So then what does he go back to? Where does the path lead him in terms of finding a partner and for the next step in his career. One word, Rhodes. So yes, Cody would begin teaming up with his brother Goldust in 2013, late 2013, to battle the injustices done by the authority and to fight heels like the shield and Cody and Goldust would win the tag team titles and also get their own tag team theme. Uh, this is Jim Johnston doing a, uh, a little bit of Frankenstein patchwork here with this new theme called Gold and Smoke.
What an odd song this is, Sean. Uh, the concept of it, the execution, it, it leaves me kind of baffled. Uh, because here we have two songs, uh, Gold Lust and Smoke and Mirrors, which on their own, are, I think, are good songs. I think Gold Dust's theme is actually an all-timer, in my opinion. But the idea of mashing them together into a, well, a mashup theme, it would never cross my mind. Because they just, they sound so radically different. Uh, one is this kind of ethereal, smoky piece with the classical music, and the other is this in-your-face power-punk rock song with your brash guitars and whatnot. Much like Goldust and Cody are radically different. You know, d despite being brothers and despite sharing the name Rhodes, the two are, are very much opposites in a lot of ways. Uh, Goldust is... The bizarre one. He's this gold jumpsuit-wearing, face-paint-wearing freak. And Cody is the more traditional boots-and-tights wrestler. And it's like, how, how can you combine these two songs? Well, what Jim Johnston did was he took the vocals from Smoke and Mirrors, he slowed them down, added a bunch of echo effects, and he mixed them in over the music from Goldlust. And the first time I heard this back in 2013, and I heard, dun 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 I was like, what the hell is this? But honestly, the more I listened to it, the more fascinated and entranced by it that I become. D dare I say, Sean, I... I even find myself enjoying it, as crazy as that might sound. WWE trying to do weird usually fails miserably. And you can see it with someone like a Dean Ambrose over the years, where whenever he's been trying to be weird, it involves him stealing a hot dog cart and squirting people with condiments. Mm -hmm. This is legitimately weird. <laughs> this is... I... I had forgotten about this song because I don't spend much of my time thinking about Cody Rhodes, though admittedly I'm going to remedy that now going forward. I see what's been missing in my life. But earlier this year, I heard a mashup that took Iron Man and Bad Blood by Taylor Swift <laughs> and put the two together. And I was confused because I was morally offended, but it sounded kind of interesting and it was kind of fun to listen to. So I didn't know what to do with myself for that. This makes me the same way. It's weirdness. It shouldn't work. The gold dust theme is so ingrained. Again, one of those all time things that is going to last as long as dusted roads can put on the uh, outfit that do 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 and it in and of itself is a weird song but the remix throwing in those lyrics which are as we've said just not quite all there it's like it really is a kind of enjoyable piece if you didn't know the provenance of it and you just played it for a random person i think that that there's a decent amount of people who would listen to that and go, well, that's interesting in maybe a good way. Some maybe not so good, but I think there's a 
you would get a much better response than you would for almost any other WWE theme song. The best thing I can say is it kind of sounds like a legitimate piece of music rather than a lot of WWE themes, which really sound more like jingles. Yeah, the best way I can describe this song, and you're probably going to laugh at this, Sean, it's like if it's like if the Phantom Zone from Superman was being run by Goldust, and the Smoke and Mirrors theme got sucked into the Phantom Zone, and it's just floating around this golden void, echoing into nothingness. Smoke and Mirrors, Smoke and Mirrors, but that's it. It's this just totally bizarre combination of two songs that just don't flow together at all. And yet at the same time, it's entrancing and it somehow works. I mean, comparison-wise, around the same time, Jim Johnston did another mashup theme for the legendary tag team Rybaxel. <laughs> Remember them? Yes. Ryback and Curtis Axel. Uh, yeah, meet on the perfect table. And maybe maybe that mashup theme makes a little more sense cohesively in terms of the way the two songs kind of uh, stack on top of one another. But I would much rather listen to Golden Smoke because Golden Smoke is a much more interesting song to listen to. Just like, you know, looking at the tag team of Cody and Goldust, that's an interesting tag team. These two guys who share a bloodline, they're brothers, but at face value, they could not look and act more differently. Such, such tension, such divergence between the two of them. And the fact that during that period of time when they were together before the transition, where Goldust was being the voice of reason, which is not something you would think of after 20 years for him. So the idea that this character who for all these years has been about oddness and about making people uncomfortable, Goldust that is, all of a sudden having to be the one trying to calm Cody Rhodes down, trying to get him to see that he has value, that he wants him to be his partner, that he doesn't want Cody to find someone else for him. It's a shifting in the roles because you never think of Goldust as responsible. He's hedonism. He's the id run amok. But the only thing you can really do at that point, I guess, if you're Cody Rhodes, is try to out gold dust, gold dust. But there's one other thing, and I think in terms of foreshadowing, did when you went back and listened to these, did you listen to this the golden smoke all the way through? I was about to say. Despite this song being very weird, and very strange, it has, for my money, one of the best endings to a theme song I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Where the music drops out, the da da, all the the organs and the harps or whatever the hell is in that thing, and all the vocals drop out. All that's left is a lone, I guess, xylophone or glockenspiel or whatever the fuck. I said music box. Sort yeah, of exactly. Tone. Playing the gold dust melody.
I love that ending so much because it's so unique to a theme. And yes, Sean, you're right. It's a lovely little bit of foreshadowing for what will come next. It's as if this little this little music box, this little xylophone is twinkling like a star. Look up. And uh, speaking of stars, the time has now come for Stardust. This was when Cody and Goldust were on a losing streak. And Cody said, you know what, Goldust? You need a better tag team partner than me. Cody Rhodes, he ain't cutting it. And that better partner turned out to be Stardust, which was Cody wearing face paint, wearing a bodysuit, and doing all sorts of weird mannerisms, just like his brother. He's essentially a a sort of spin-off, a space spin-off of Goldust, Stardust. So a Stardust was born, and his new theme by Jim Johnston was called Written in the Stars. stars a million miles oh, god damn it andrew stop it now come on <laughs> the joke is overplayed god damn it stop it now <laughs> my apologies my apologies but uh, i can't help myself but uh, in all seriousness stardust the character obviously meant to be a takeoff of the Goldust character and, and cody putting his own spin on it his own unique take on Goldust. well the same is true for the themes because written in the stars sounds like its own unique spin on the classic gold dust theme. You can kind of hear the melody of the gold dust theme as the spine of the song in the main section. There have just been a lot of modifications to it. A lot of a lot of uh, classical organs and strings being removed from the gold dust theme and being replaced with synths and electronica and drum machines. Uh, and really, it, it, it's, it sounds much like Stardust. It sounds like it's coming from space, as opposed to the golden age of Hollywood cinema. And really, if you're going to make Stardust his own character, but at the same time still have those links to Goldust, then making a theme like this is the perfect way to do it. Legit one of my all-time favorite WWE themes something that I will just randomly pull up on 
on Apple Music from time to time and say, it's time to, I want to listen to this because it's it takes all of the the Goldust theme feels luxurious and it feels hedonistic and it feels kind of dirty in a hanging out at the Playboy Mansion or some sort of weird club in West Hollywood with lots of velvet sort of way. This, like you said, this feels like hanging out at a underground dance club in space where people are doing drugs that might make their heads explode one out of every three times. <laughs> and watching Cody in that role, he channels every John Lithgow, William Shatner instinct possible and gnaws scenery, chews it up, spits out the scenery, and then goes back and puts it all together and flash fries it so he can eat it again. <laughs> it's beautiful to watch. I, I went back and watched the clip of the debut of Stardust and he looks so maniacal. One of the things that I didn't know that I only discovered when I was looking this up, I was looking at his wiki page and such, and it mentions that after high school, he attended acting school. And I never knew that. But seeing him do that Stardust role, it makes sense. Because he drops into it so completely on a dime that everything prior to it is washed away. It's hard to envision him. The minute he comes out as Stardust, it's hard to remember the legacy Cody Rhodes or Cody Rhodes, the lackey of priceless Ted DiBiase Jr. Suddenly those are all dead, as I believe he even said at points. And that music is just so over the top. You can't associate it with any other music he's had before because it's it's an entirely different universe for him. All these other pieces of music were things that were attached to him and they may have been trying to reflect something about himself. But this, when that little music box piece ends in, uh, in the previous theme, The Golden Smoke, that's the end of Cody Rhodes. His light's out and now Stardust is born. And it comes from that very quiet silence tinkling out to on the piano. Yeah, exactly. And it's so urgent. You mentioned Cody going to acting school and, and Cody, he has acted, of course, on Arrow. And I think on being in the elite, he's a he's tremendous on that. because He's just so damn funny. But. There is, in this theme, in the Stardust character, such a deep, deep sense of theatricality. And the Stardust theme beginning with that Liberace-esque run-up-the-piano-keys, you don't, you don't get more theatrical than that. And when you hear these songs, Goldust theme, Stardust theme, you're meant to think that these guys are not grounded in reality at all 
they live in their own worlds. For Goldust, it's classic Hollywood. For Stardust, he doesn't even live on any world. He lives in space, in the cosmos. And a song like this does indeed, you know, it, it, it lives up to the name written in the stars because it just sounds so cosmic and, and futuristic. And what better way to repudiate your past than to literally cast aside your very place of existence? I mean, you can move away from your hometown. You can change your name. You can get a better outfit. But to basically say, nope, Earth, eh, that was that was a whole other thing. I'm over that. That's shooting pretty high for, for, for reinvention. I mean, that's not losing five pounds and getting a haircut. That's, that's, take, that's getting a whole new life and a whole new you. Which, when you look at everything that Cody's gone through, he had really no choice but to obliterate everything he'd tried before. He couldn't evolve into something else. He had to, at some point, be reborn and try to grow from that. And that's where Star- Stardust comes in. And the music, the music plays to that. That he, It's not like anything that he's ever used before. I just got to say, Stardust, it, was hor- it, it is a career move. Yeah, it did nothing for him. The character, the only thing you can really say is that it's got him his opportunity to have the match with Stephen Amell. But going back, if you go back and just watch and... I'm not actually going to encourage anyone to go back and watch Raw from that period. It's toxic. It's bad for your health. And it may give your computer viruses. But every week, he would do so many little things with his character. Just his mannerisms, his facial expressions, the subtle movements he would make were in a period where Raw was really pretty dreadful. He was a delight to watch. And you could see the talent bursting, just waiting to burst out of him. And the personality that had never truly shown itself. I mean, before Stardust, you think Cody Rhodes, you don't really think of a big personality that you had to pay attention to. Stardust was the first time that I felt I had to pay attention to him, even if it was just to see what weird thing he was going to do in the middle of an otherwise boring match that would give me two seconds of extra entertainment that would make me go, (laughs) that's cool. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I was the biggest Stardust fan around, but you're right. You're right. Cody really let his talent shine through with the character and let his personality just explode onto the screen, uh, which we see now because the character of Cody Rhodes has, to me, never been more interesting and palpable and unique as it is now. And despite my overall thoughts on Stardust being somewhat negative, and Cody eventually thought the same thing, he, he wanted out of it for months, I will give credit to the Stardust era of his career for giving Cody the stepping stone to who he is today. He learned to be bigger than life. Even if it wasn't in a role that was getting that level of attention, by going so unrealistic, he learned 
I think he perf- he not even learned by going to a role that was that unrealistic and that over the top. It kind of took those last shackles off of his personality so that when he finally does evolve into his next thing, it's got that confidence and it's got that whatever it is that says, this is an important person you should watch because his actions are a little bigger than everyone else's. His voice is a little louder than everyone else's. His movements are a little more commanding than everyone, than most everyone else's. And I really think that the Stardust character is where he was able to shed whatever inhibitions were still inside of him. And by going that far over the top, when he came back down, he came down in a higher place than he had been before. So May 22nd, 2016, uh, that was the day that Cody Rhodes was officially released by WWE per his request. And now Cody Rhodes was a free agent. He was a vagabond on the pro wrestling trail, uh, going to all sorts of promotions across the world that we mentioned earlier, eventually settling in Ring of Honor and New Japan as simply the American Nightmare Cody, uh, which was, of course, a takeoff of his dad's nickname, The American Dream. But what about his theme song? Uh, Well, Cody got a new theme song, naturally, that was written just for him by the band Downstate, uh, one that he's used everywhere since leaving WWE, and it's called Kingdom. Now, there is a special stinger at the beginning of this theme that, unfortunately, I can't find a clean version of anywhere because the song was released without the stinger, and there are really only, I guess, fan uh, recordings of the stinger uh, on the intro. So I decided, Sean, uh, to let my beautiful voice reenact the stinger going into the song right here for you right now. So if you'll bear with me here. Wrestling has more than one royal family. started off the show with white guy music and we're ending it with white guy music how appropriate uh this is definitely on the harder side of the cody Rhodes 
theme spectrum, along with the Smoke and Mirrors kind of emo-y remix and the legacy theme. Downstate, they're a hard rock metal band, and they certainly bring the intensity and the rage here. Uh, cranked up guitars, screaming vocals, there's a lot of anger here, which makes sense because Cody probably had a lot of anger and frustration when he left WWE, and he wanted to express that anger and aggression through the music. And like I said, this is a song that was written specifically with Cody in mind. This is his theme. Um, most of the lyrics, you know, they are the more general wrestling theme stuff, like crowd is here, about to blow, waiting for me to start the show, out the curtain, lights go up, I'm home. Or like, lights go down, I'm ready now, tear this roof off for the town, gonna give them what they came to see. Lines like that are pretty universal and can go with a lot of wrestlers, but when you have the line, and my father said, when I was younger, hard times breed better men. That's pretty specific. Uh, you, you can't really give this theme to, I don't know, Andy Right Leg Ridge, you know, or, <laughs> or or QT Marshall or whomever, because that's that is a that is a Cody line. That is a Cody Ro- that's a Rhodes line, more importantly. I was trying to think of the most obscure. I was trying to think of the most obscure wrestler I could think of, and he, he came to mind. <laughs> hey, man, QT Marshall, but oh my god! But 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 seriously, I think I, I think you know this song is perfect for Cody and perfect for that that rage and passion and hunger that is inside him to prove people wrong and to just make his own kingdom in wrestling and, and to live up really to what his father said about hard times breeding better men. He wants to be the better man because he's been through hard times, uh, Sean. Ang- you'd mentioned anger with the song and there's two different types of anger. There's the anger that you get in his earlier themes that is that just blind the world I'm going to screw everyone i'm i'm just pissed off this is righteous anger in this song and it has the sound of it it's a brighter sound it's not a menacing sort of stalking anger this is this is get up on your feet and pump your fist sort of i'm angry you're angry let's all go storm the gates sort of anger and it fits that this is finally cody just being cody having lost the last name is symbolic for him and the music fits with that he's now just cody he's not a derivation of his brother stardust he's not cody rhodes who's only reason for existing is being son of Dusty Rhodes or brother of Dustin Rhodes. He's his own man now. And that music that, yeah, it's pissed off. He is, you took it all away. Now you bow to me. You took my dreams. He's definitely got a lot of issues still, but he's not turning them inward to self-destruction. 
he's finally ready to take all of that anger and all that confusion and say, you know what? I'm moving forward. I'm going to build my own kingdom. And it's a, it's, it's the 10 year evolution of Cody. He is here to change the game. As he says in his, in the lyrics, even though he's had to go through a lot and yeah, it's, it's not exactly like a Rolling Stone sort of lyrical content, but it, it's honest sounding. And the first time where he has a theme that makes me as a listener feel energized. And really it's amazing how prophetical this song turned out to be. Uh, here to change the game, a banner made of pain. I built my kingdom. You'll follow me until the end. I am my kingdom. And look at Cody now. He took all that pain and frustration and he turned it into his own kingdom with a rabid fan base. And he's made eventing shows and winning titles in New Japan and Ring of Honor. He did all in. He's got his own cigar company. He's on arrow. He's, he's making money hand over fist. And now the guy is likely to have his own promotion with All Elite Wrestling, which could be an actual kingdom of sorts. And it's remarkable how true to life this song turned out to be. It feeds off not only the character problems that Cody had and the issues Cody had in WWE, but... If you remember when he came out of WWE and first, the, of course, the picture of the list and then the original video with NJPW, New Japan, where he was sitting in the chair and revealed as the American Nightmare. And he got a lot of shit for that. There were a lot of very smart people who would have taken bets on him falling flat on his face. And they would have taken those bets six months after he was out of WWE. So it's not like he walked out of WWE and came into, as well as his dad would say, the shining light. He was beaten up a lot by the online community in that first six, nine months. And it took a while for the tide to turn. So I feel like this song not only is addressing what happened in his career with Vince and WWE, but the fact that even when he got out, he's encountered a lot of doubt. And to be fair, a lot of it's justified. He's had some statements and plans that would have seemed crazy on their face. But I think it's worth pointing out that he had a pretty rocky beginning out there in his post-WWE life. He took a risk. He took a risk. And it's a risk that not a lot of guys would take. You know, like I said earlier, look at Ryback. Look at Jack Swagger. Look at uh, Darren Young. They leave WWE and where are they now? And maybe it's because they're not interested in taking that risk. Or they don't know which promotions to hit that would give them that buzz. Cody did. He took the risk. He went to all the right places. And he succeeded. And who knows, maybe Cody 
is sort of the first domino to fall. Maybe somewhere down the line, these guys who are in the WWE mid-card slop look at Cody and say, I could do that. I could leave. I could go to Ring of Honor. I can go to New Japan. I can, I can go to all these places and become bigger and more important than I am now. So we'll see just how influential Cody is, I'm sure, on wrestlers, specifically WWE wrestlers, uh, in the coming years. You talked about the homegrown talent, and wherever Ryback is, I hope he's very well-fed. And I would be happy to see Ryback return at any given time because self-help guru Ryback was one of my favorite mid-decade characters. But like you said, it's hard out there. Jack Swagger, he doesn't seem to want to do that sort of hustle and who can blame him Ryback, who knows what he's up to darren young any of those guys who came up through the wwe system and never had to deal with to be fair the bullshit that can be independent wrestling it's hard to blame them for not wanting to go with it because wrestling for wwe is a different thing than wrestling for anyone else except maybe new japan but more than that, it's that Cody was one of the first people to even conceive of doing some of these things, or at the very least, the first willing to put his own skin in the game to do it. And hopefully, you'll see people willing to say, hey, I mean, I'd love to see a competitor, not even a competitor. I'd love to see just another viable option. There's not going to be a competitor to WWE because WWE is a multi-billion dollar content production company. They're a wrestling company in some of the barest terms possible. But I'd love to see another place where talented wrestlers can wrestle full-time and appear on my TV in a weekly basis. That can only be good for me as a fan. And it can only be good for the industry. And as much as he's pulled off so far, if there's anyone out there, I would have thought that the only person I've thought in the last 25 years who could have possibly come up with a promotion to challenge WWE would have been if some money mark decided to stand behind Paul Heyman. Until recently, that was the only person I could have imagined creating a viable second promotion. But I think it's possible here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, I, I still don't know what wrestling has more than one royal family even means. Like, is it based on the assumption that wrestling fans only consider wrestling to have one royal family? And if so, which one? Is it the Hearts, the Von Erichs, the McMahons? It, it doesn't really make that much sense to me, uh, Sean, but uh, I do enjoy saying it. I know that much. It, it is ominous when you say it. It is. Thank you. I, I got a little chill up my spine. I It's funny because thinking on it, I would think that, oh, they mean the McMahon family. But growing up, as I said, an NWA fan, the ultimate rivalry that kept going for years and years and years and would keep coming back to it was Flair versus Rhodes. And to me, I mean, you've got You've got the one of the children now out there with the title of the queen. Maybe that's it. I like the idea of the Von Erics as a royal family, but um, I fear that line has ended. I will say that it's too bad, Sean, that uh, Cody 
doesn't have a J.R. Ewing gimmick. Because then he could come out to wrestling has more than one oil family. <laughs> Goodbye, Andrew. Or, or, I have one more. If he had a chef gimmick, he could start with wrestling has more than one broil family. That's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. Are you sure that you don't want to go with more than one? Olive oil family. Oh, hello. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we better stop this because otherwise I there'll be so. another hour of yeah of these. I'll 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 spend all night doing that. Yeah. All right. That was our look at the themes of Cody Rhodes and his uh, career and his life, pretty much. Uh, like I said, now's as good a time as any to talk about Cody and his entrance themes and his career because the guy is just the talk of the town and i'm sure as we head into the new year 2019 the focus on cody rhodes and the importance of cody rhodes is going to increase dramatically because of this rumored new promotion just as it will for the young bucks and kenny omega and the other guys in the elite and i do hope like you sean that this promotion is real and does happen uh, and I hope it does become a major factor in wrestling because, you know, honestly, Sean, Cody needs a win. You know, yes, he's handsome and athletic and rich and funny, charismatic, and is on Arrow and is married to a gorgeous woman and has a wonderful dog named Pharaoh and is adored by fans around the world. But besides all that, Cody needs this. <laughs> I saw him outside of the Sears Center after All In, and I gave him two bucks because I felt bad Aww. for the guy. <laughs> I just hope he gets a new promotion up and running and that they're able to create some uh, more unique themes than a lot of the WWE ones have been lately. That, to me, would be the biggest contribution they could make to the business. Yeah, we'll see what happens for sure. Maybe something that doesn't always start with a guitar riff. <laughs> <laughs> And that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Sean, for coming on the show. This was an absolute blast having you on. You are tremendous here. Any plugs you want to give, go right ahead. I'm writing about Rob beat the hell out of me, so just uh, go and go and read all the brilliant people on uh, VOW. There's so many good voices of wrestling writing on there. And, uh, I'm glad that finally Rich and uh, Cody were able to bury the hatchet. Yes, yes. The handshake around the world. <laughs> and I don't know if you've I don't know if you've ever done a show on montages uh in wrestling history, but if you ever do, I'd love to come back for that. I'll, I'll pencil you in. I'll pencil you Excellent. in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find other great wrestling podcasts on there at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Met. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can find the YouTube playlist for this and all past episodes at the VOW forums, uh, voicesofwrestling.com slash forum. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google, Spotify, and many other places. Sean, uh, thanks again for being here. And uh, truthfully, I hope you do remember that wrestling has more than one 
royal family. I can't help myself, man. I can't help myself. Once I get going, I can't stop. I, I, I would just like, there's one important fact I didn't get to point out during the show. Go ahead. Ted DiBiase Jr. is priceless. Yay, he's priceless. <laughs> oh, baby, I'm priceless. <laughs> All right, for Sean Flynn, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.